Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. And on Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is. I'm a girl dad, all right? Number one. Second of all, boxing. Still love boxing. A lot of people have switched over to MMA. I'm a big boxing guy. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesday. Episodes in Spanish out on Wednesday. It is the walk-off. I'm Holden Kushner, and I got the ace of Spader, Ryan Spader, with me. We're going to talk some playoff baseball. But first, Spader, first of all, um, hope you're doing well. We haven't really talked very much during the week, so it's good to catch up with you again. And second of all, I mean, this has been a just a, a pretty bad time here for, for baseball legends passing, and we're going to get to that. So Joe Morgan, Bob Gibson, Whitey Ford, Tom Seaver – I don't even want to do the Spader stats gigantic production right now. This is kind of sad. Yeah, it's been pretty depressing as as if 2020 hasn't been as awful as it's been enough. Um, but uh, you're, you're looking at basically an entire team of all-stars that have been uh, passed on in, in this uh, 2020 awful year. Um, in fact, I saw a tweet from Adam Dorowski. Uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, but he is at Baseball Twit, and he put out basically the what the all-star lineup is. And you got catcher Hal Smith, first base Bob Watson, second base Joe Morgan, third base Tony Taylor, shortstop Tony Fernandez, and then the outfield you got Al Kaline, Jim Wynn, Lou Brock, and then a, a rotation of uh, Seaver, Gibson, Ford, uh, Don Larson, Johnny I'm not I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, I'm sure. Antonelli. Oh, yeah, John, Johnny Antonelli, yep. And then... Um, it's an old Dodger, I think. Ron uh, Peronowski in the bullpen. And he was a coach for a long, long time. Ron Peronowski. That's... Um, God, that sucks. But... Yeah, it, Joe Morgan really, really, really took me by surprise because um, you never really heard anything about him not be doing well. Um, whereas a lot of these other guys, you, you know, Tom Seaver we knew wasn't doing so hot. Bob Gibson we knew wasn't doing so hot. Um, but I, I never heard anything about Joe Morgan um, and having declining health or anything and uh, still kind of thought of him as somebody who is uh, sort of in the spotlight, I guess. And, and he, it really took me by surprise. And Morgan is um, the holder of, believe it or not, one of my favorite stats of all time. 
Mm, let's hear it. Let's hear the Spader's stats. So you've got seasons with at least 50 extra base hits, 50 stolen bases, and 100 bases on balls. Uh, Joe Morgan had four of them. The other 19,901 baseball players in history combined for zero. You got to be kidding me. Nope. Morgan with four. And what's even more incredible about that is Morgan, two of those seasons, he actually had 60 60. Um, and of course, nobody had done that. No, he had and 60, nobody was 50 50. 60 60? Yep. Uh, I think he's somebody who, I think oftentimes, we've talked about this when we talk about Hall of Fame. Of course, you can't really be an under uh, underrated first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think the fact that a guy like Joe Morgan played second base, he kind of goes, um, goes by as underappreciated, I would say. And uh, I think that's oftentimes the case when you're a second baseman or a third baseman versus uh, the center of piece of that diamond um, at shortstop. I mean, that dude was back-to-back MVP. He was great. And he was a really nice guy. I had a chance to talk to him a few times uh, just throughout the baseball circuit, you know, doing radio back then. And he was a very, very kind man. That's the second thing I'll say. The third thing I'll say, he, he was like the analyst for Major League Baseball. I mean, there was McCarver, but a little bit before them, boom, Morgan was on all the broadcasts back in the early 90s. And I think when NBC had it, he stayed on too long. Um, he, and it, a lot of people made fun of him. That kind of pissed me off too. You know, he was he was a little too old to do it. And then kind of went, uh, and we didn't hear as much from Joe Morgan unless somebody interviewed him. And then we'd hear, you know, we'd hear from him once in a while. So that's too bad. Those two seasons, 75, 76, and it's not only... It's not only those two seasons because he really was remarkable. His on-base percentage was 392. He, gosh, I'm just looking at it. He, and they said he was a great defender. So there you go. Well, uh, yeah, even the some of the analytics don't really play in his favor when you apply them in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But when you take out some of those seasons uh, in the in the middle there, in his prime, which you're talking about the 75, 76, 73, 74 as well. Um, he did have some very good defensive seasons. And uh, on the whole, if you look at his um, career defensive numbers, they're, they're maybe not that impressive. But when you can take out those, um, those gold glove seasons uh, that he had, he was probably deserving of the award, he, even though some of the analytics um, don't look at him uh, or view him favorably. Yep, again, we get back to this. He did what everybody wanted him to do for the time, and he did it better than just about everybody else. Yeah, so. the, uh, well, you brought up the on-base percentage, and that's one of the things that's fascinating when it comes to Morgan for me because look at that 75-76. I mean, you're reaching base at over a 45% clip um, and walking over 100 times uh, per season when – it wasn't really a thing. And then when he was walking, it was a double automatically. I mean, he really, look at this. I'm, I'm going to go 69 to 77. Actually, I should probably start it in like, uh, like, yeah, I'd say even 72 to 79. Let's do that. He, so this was kind of like his peak. He had a 137 OPS plus. That's pretty good. 848 OPS. I'll take that. 
I'll take that. 10 year span there. Hundred. I mean, look at all the stolen bases too. He just did everything, everything. Yeah, but you're it. you're probably going to say what he got? Did he get caught too much? It seems to me that his stolen base percentage is pretty damn good too. He get caught like what once every six attempts or so. Yeah. So um, in order to break even for stolen bases, you've got to successfully steal five out of seven. So he was well above the threshold for breaking even in terms of his uh, added value for stolen bases. In fact, you look at those seventy that seventy five seventy six uh, season. He actually added. 20 uh, runs for his um, runs from base running. And uh, that's something that uh, when you look at uh, roughly about five runs per uh, win for win the wins above replacement, you're looking at a four wins added to, um, added to the Reds just by his legs over that span. Good God. What about uh, Whitey Ford? I don't think we talked. We were no Whitey Ford happened before then too. You got anything on Whitey? Because that guy was just larger than life. He was on the Yankees back in the fifties when they were, you know, the Beatles of America. That was the most popular team. Mantle, Whitey Ford, all those guys just going out, getting drunk, just railing women. He said that everybody knew those two guys. Everybody so, knew Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra and the other guys too. Jeez. Yeah, well, Whitey Ford's one of my uh, favorites because I love all those dudes who um, fought in either World War II or the Korean War. And I looked at uh, his span from 1950 to 1964, and I'm going to quick uh, run you down from 50 to 64, uh, a little highlight from each season. 1950, World Series champion. 51, Korean War, serving in the U.S. Army. 52, Korean War, serving in the U.S. Army. Mind you, the Yankees still won the World Series in both of those seasons. Uh, 53, World Series champion. 54, he was just an all-star. That's it. Uh, 55, American League champion. 56, World Series champion. 57, AL champ. Uh, 58, World Series champ. 59, another down season, just an all-star. And then 60, American League champion, back-to-back World Series championships in 61 and 62, and then two more pennants in 63 and 64. So just how great of a pitcher was he? Because we always, I feel like when we just talk about left-handers is when people try to bring up Whitey Ford. Oh, he's one of the great left-handers of all time, but he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Where is he? What tier is he on? Do you have any comps for him? Uh, So he's kind of on... Uh, sort of, so he's sort of on his own here because you look at the body of work that he's had, and of course you, uh, you know, his ERA doesn't measure up with somebody like Bob Gibson or something like that. But he was pitching; he was the best pitcher on the best team in baseball for an extended period of time, and um, pitching in all of those World Series games, he uh, had a scoreless streak of 33 straight innings during World Series play that began on October 8, 1960 and end it on October 4th, 1962, uh, which still is the longest scoreless streak by a starting pitcher. Uh, didn't allow a single run in four starts in 60 and 61. And uh, you look at what he did, and again, it goes back to what you said about Morgan. Did he do what was required of a player at the time? Well, Whitey Ford has the all-time highest winning percentage for a pitcher to win at least 200 games. So uh, I would say he absolutely did what the Yankees needed him to do. Mm. That's remarkable. 
You know, it's just it's Bob Gibson, it's Tom Seaver, Tony Fernandez went way too young, and you mentioned so many of the other ones too. I mean, it's just brutal. Well, I gotta throw something at you with uh, Bob Gibson because I love talking about these good, guys' numbers. Good, good. Uh, so Gibson, he was of course twenty-two and nine with a one-point-one-two ERA in nineteen sixty-eight. His two-point-one-four ERA in his nine losses would have um, led, would have otherwise led, uh, the National League champion Cardinals. So in the nine games that he lost, he had a 2.14 ERA. The, the guy basically could have gone undefeated in 1968. Really? <laughs> That's how good he, uh, he was. And he also uh, was a great athlete. Um, one thing that I think uh, – is lost on people is how good of a hitter Bob Gibson was. Uh, during World Series play in 32 plate appearances, he had two home runs. Stan Musial had one homer in 99 plate appearances, so over three times as many plate appearances. And uh, Gibson still out-homered him. And then one of the absolutely most fascinating things about Gibson, and we might have talked about this before, but I talk about it over and over again, is the fact that he was playing for the Harlem Globetrotters at the same <laughs> yeah, time. That he was pitching for the uh, pitching for the Cardinals, and he was a, a better college basketball player in terms of his um, uh, points per game than Michael Jordan was. Wow! Now that is terrific, and he was a great broadcaster for a long time too. He did other sports besides for um, for baseball for a long time. Did you ever see the the thing of him being a uh, playing the guitar? No. Oh, he's a great guitar player. There's a few YouTube videos. You see him just jamming on the guitar. He just, that's just a winner. He does everything. He did everything right. Uh, what, what is it like? Um, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Mr. Perfect uh, video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this guy was like Mr. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it, re- it really is amazing how that is. So, all right, good. Well, <clears throat> we got that. Uh, anything else you want to add to it before we get to a couple other things? Now, uh, one other guy, I think, who just, of course, he passed away um, and doesn't really get the notice. He had over 2,000 career hits. And somebody, uh, my father's favorite ball player, actually, Tony Taylor, who somebody else we lost. Uh, he was, a co- again, a coach for a very long time. I know he was a uh, base running coach for the Marlins. Um, it, it just looking at this list, it's just depressing to see the talent that uh, we, uh, we've lost. And, uh, of course, it's sad when anybody passes on, but... These, these are guys who uh, are fathers, or maybe even you, because they're old as shit. <laughs> grew, up, grew up looking up to, and you know, here we're losing them. I, you, know, you know what's interesting is, like, I'm so open about my age. People ask, how old are you? I'm like 30, 37. I could probably pass, what, 37? Yeah, you look good. 37, 38, and... Um, you know, I, I, now I just hear it all the time. Just old man, everybody's busting my balls. And you know what? I don't even mind it because I was always the youngest guy everywhere I was working. It's kind of nice to be the guy that doesn't have to put up with that shit anymore. Um, what else we got here? What was there was something? There was something I really wanted to get with you. I'm, I'm gonna get it right here. Boom, 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 boom. I gotta scroll up. Um. Oh, Hinch and Cora. Let's do this. So. A.J. Hinch in consideration for the White Sox. Alex Cora reportedly not, but he could get a job again. And I remember when this 
happened and you and I were talking about it and a lot of people are telling me they're never going to get jobs. You know, this is so serious. It's never going to get jobs. Well, guess what? AJ Hinch getting a job. Core is going to get a job too. If it's not this year, the next year, the year, he's going to get a job again. Uh, th there's big deal with what happened to them. Teams want to win. And these are two guys that have done it. Yeah. I think, uh, Hinch, very well may get the um, the White Sox job. I think one of his saving graces is the nonsense about him smashing monitors or whatever. Uh, I think that that, for whatever reason, he's viewed favorably in all of this for that. Um, he's going to be somebody who I think is going to be viewed as uh, he did his uh, time or whatever, which it's kind of ironic because Tony LaRusse is also being considered for the White Sox, who he managed back in the 90s, I believe it was. And... Um, uh, Blackjack McDowell went on a Chicago radio station talking about how they used to cheat under Tony La Russa and pass, um, pass signs through the scoreboard. And uh, that would be quite quite something to see A.J. Hinch uh, and Tony La Russa battling it up for who's going to be the manager of that team. Uh, as far as Alex Cora goes, I think he is going to um, end up as the bench coach for the Red Sox and then um, he will eventually take back over as, as the manager, as far as as far as I'm concerned. Okay, the Larusa thing is blowing my mind. <clears throat> is what I'll say, because I mean he had a great run there on the South Side, 1983. Compke, if you're listening, I mean how how special was? Uh, he probably wasn't alive, but it's special in White Sox lore. Was the go-go side? You know, you had so much going on there with that team. So he's the manager. They had Fisk and Baines, and boy, that was in, and who the hell was the, uh, it was Latroy Hawkins, maybe? No, Latroy Hawkins is our friend. No. What the hell was his name? I don't know, maybe, who knows? So anyways, I'll find it. Tony La Russa managing? Everybody tells the manager what to do from the front office. Are we just going to have him come out of retirement and go old school on us? I'm kind of uh, I'm just looking at uh, Larusa here and his body of work. It's it would be incredible for him to be back managing a team um, as a Hall of Famer already, as somebody who's going to be or he is 76 years old. Uh, one thing though that I find absolutely fat. I guess he got fired in '86 by the White Sox, mm -hmm. but he was hi hired uh, I guess almost immediately by the Athletics. By the A's, yeah. That's insane. So th I, I presume that the the athletics uh, fired their manager just to, <laughs> just to uh, hire Tony La Russa. I don't know, man, but they had McGuire and Conseco, and they're like, "Let's go, let's get it done right now." Yeah, Un unbelievable if he comes back to to manage that squad. And I said uh, he managed the uh, what the White Sox in the nineties. I meant the eighties, of course, and mm -hmm. you, of course. Uh, corrected me there, but it, it would be it would be something if he comes back. Especially, I really want to see if that whole uh, stuff about him passing signs through the scoreboard comes comes to light again. Uh, if if the talks um, pick up in terms of him coming back and managing, guy I was thinking about was Lamar Hoyt. Mm. Lamar Hoyt had a uh, serious drug problem, but. He was really good in 1983. That guy would have been a stud. Kind yeah. of wasted a lot of his career. Floyd Bannister and Jerry Kuzman, too, huh? That's, uh, you know, I think it was one of the first uh, shows that we did, but that we, we 
talked about Lamar Hoyt as somebody who uh, won a Cy Young Award that he should not have won. Oh, if we're going to besmirch the name of Lamar Hoyt and bring up the drug problems, we might as well get him on the um, on this too. Oh boy, let's do it. Let's get him on the Cy Young because that was 1983. And the numbers that they looked at back then, the most important thing, 24 and 10 with a 366 ERA. Where did they get it wrong? He was 13th at, for MVP too that year. By the way. Oof. <laughs> well, you look at his wins above replacement, uh, which, of course, he didn't have available at that time. Uh, it, they were just off there. His, his earn, uh, earned run average, um, Jack Morris bested him there, and Jack Morris had uh, twice as many complete games, um, as did Guidry. And then um, you also have – that was one of those years that uh, – I can't believe his name's escaping me. I feel terrible. Uh, the Blue Jays pitcher in the 80s, very good. Dave Steve. Dave Steve. Dave Steeb, uh, he didn't get any votes for the Cy Young Award that year, and and by my measurement, uh, he could have he could have won it. He could have won it. Wow, impressive. But um, no, Lamar Hoyt, I'm done with him. Done with him. Let's move on. If Tony La Russa gets this job, there's no way that he can manage the way he's been managing his whole career which is why I have a hard time believing he's going to come back and take this job. It's just, it's, it's not the way you know, he managed. He's, he was so old school. And listen, he did actually use numbers. He actually embraced the numbers a little bit toward the end of his career, maybe even earlier than that. But is he really going to rely on that stuff? Is that why they'd even hire him? I don't, I don't know. And uh, one thing with La Russa, though, at this point in, like, why do you want to manage it? He just turned 76 years old. Why, like, why not enjoy your retirement? I don't know why he's even doing the thing that he does with the um, uh, Major League Baseball. I don't know. He had a terrible career, though, playing career. <laughs> yeah? How bad was it? <laughs> career 199 hitter. Ooh, that's not a good... That's not good. Yeah, but what if his OPS was like 600? That'd be quite a feat. No, it was 5.42. Yep, couldn't even get there. That is a, that, that's not good. Yeah. Stigola. Long, um, long, long career in the minors, though. I mean, Hinch is a good seasons. enough manager. He's going to win a, he's going to win a, uh, I think another, Hinch, another World I think, Series with the right team. I think Hinch will be back with the White Sox. Or, excuse me, back in baseball and with the White Sox, yes. I think that that would be a wise move. Now, is there a big difference between him and Alex Cora? Like, what's the – is it because Cora was kind of the ringleader and Hinch just, you know, didn't know? What? What's the yeah, difference? I, well, I really think – again, I think it's the just perception. I think people will view Hinch as somebody who uh, was collateral damage in all of this. Um, I, I don't think he's seen as the ringleader, uh, so to say. And I don't think that um, – I don't think that he is kind of viewed in the same light that Alex Cora is in all of this, um, but that remains to be seen. I, th I think uh, now with the Astros in the position that they're in right now, you're hearing a lot more, especially on Twitter, of people talking about the oh, the cheating, this, that, and the other thing. And um, I think when it starts coming, uh, we start talking about getting these guys jobs uh, out after the postseason ends, it's, it's just going to fester again.
Hey, the wait's over. Football's back, and you might not be at a game this year. You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in every possible chance to win this season. That's Bet Online from game spreads, totals to team player, coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures too, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> that is that's crazy. All right, we got something else we got to get to before we don't get to nothing else. I wanted to to ask you about the playoffs and the stuff that we have already seen so far and the Padres just getting completely dominated the Rays a team that was 17 to 1 heading into the season as we've been saying they have the best pitching staff from 1 through 14 and you're going to need that and they have that they've gotten to the ALCS the Astros not looking good right now and on the National League side, we got a Kershaw injury. He might or might not start game four. Arias is starting game three. Let's start with the Dodgers and the Braves here because I kind of lean toward the Braves coming into this series, and now I really like them. Yeah, so um, I've been wrong on just about every single series here. Correct. Uh, and it's, it's kind of upsetting, uh, a little bit depressing, but... The um, Dodgers got the got away with the first game. Uh, it wasn't looking great for them coming into the second one with Kershaw going down. But they have um, Gasolino going. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Gonsolin. 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 Yeah. yeah. I just re- uh, rearranged the letters in his name and completely threw it. <laughs> but he's got some pretty good um, career numbers. So if he can give them five innings, he's already given them one as we were recording this. Uh, and the... Um, Got two strikeouts in the just in the first inning, Acuna and Freeman, both of both of them. So uh, maybe he can give them a, a nice outing, and um, the Dodgers will uh, will move on. But um, it it didn't look good after um, after they lost that first game, and then um, with game two having Kershaw go down, it looked like more of the same from the Dodgers that their fans were going to be disappointed. Yeah. But then you'll probably have the guys and the ladies that'll say, well, Kershaw, he would have choked anyways, which is completely asinine. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Because he's pitching as well as we've seen him in a couple years, right? And my favorite part about him this year was that his arm looks really fresh. Here's the problem. The back again. Like, oh, it just doesn't stop. How much... How much more Clayton Kershaw are we going to see? Uh, I think it's probably very likely that he's going to be back pitching in this series, especially if the Dodgers' backs are against the wall. Uh-huh. Um, but it's anytime when you're dealing with a back issue, back issues can very quickly become an arm issue, and he's had enough of those. over the. I mean, the guy hasn't um, really been the innings machine that he, uh, that he was in the past. Kershaw, like you were saying, uh, it was looking like he was going to be fresh for the postseason given that he had only had 10 starts due to the COVID-19 year. And uh, things were looking good for him. He had a great 10 starts, uh, mind you. And then here we go again with injury issues. And uh, when it's something 
like your back it can very quickly become your arm and he's had those issues for the past several seasons he hasn't really been the innings machine that he had been for um, the early portion of his career so uh, it it remains to see uh, remains to be seen if he's going to bounce back at all we'll see they just have so much depth like Gonsolin has a nice arm they're using Dustin May all over the place Arias we saw him in relief you remember Arias was supposed to be the best he was supposed to be the ace of this staff right around now as a matter of fact he had the shoulder reconstruction Coletti got him and I remember Ned talking about him like he was the next superstar on this on this uh, rotation so they still got Bueller who's battling the blisters of course and then they got Arias and now Gonsolin's in the mix. I wonder what they'll do with May going forward. They still got a ton of arms, even if Kershaw doesn't come back. It's still possible they win this series. I just see where we keep getting these great outings from Freed and Anderson, and they're playing in a ballpark now where the ball just doesn't fly. Like, that new stadium there is as as bad, if not worse, than any park this season in su- suppressing runs. It's It's an awful place to hit. So basically, that's neutralizing a lot of their power. I honestly don't know why Dustin May is not pitching out of that rotation. I guess he's that important to the bullpen. Um, but he's my favorite arm currently on that team. I actually, pardon me, I tweeted out the other day, this is kind of funny, that I swear he's throwing a blitz ball. Do you know what that is? Um, it's like a type of wiffle ball that you can throw ridiculous curveballs and stuff with. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the dude who invented Blitzball f- found my tweet, and he sent me a message asking if he can send me a bunch of ep- equipment. So, oh, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, man, absolutely, I'll take it out, and that way I'll, I'll uh, strike out um, my, my girlfriend with it or something. <laughs> how's she? How's she progressing right now? Uh, she's sick of baseball, it seems. Is she really? <laughs> That did not last very long. She waited to move in with you, and then she started saying she's sick of baseball. No, she's she's a good sport. Um, she likes it. Yeah. Very good. Well, good for her. I'm glad she's into the baseball here, but she's not throwing as much with you. No. Uh, well, we we don't really have a, a yard or anything now in Arlington. We're in the you know the streets, mean You're streets. In the big of city, the big city. Yeah. Arlington, Virginia. One of my favorite. Have you found any cool places around there that you like to go to yet? Yeah, there's all kinds of good spots around here. Like really what? What do you like? Player. Have you been to the Italian store? I don't even know what the hell that is. Oh, you got to go to the Italian store. It's just Italian stuff. Oh. oh pizza, cool. Their pizza's good. Their chicken parm's good. They got some good desserts there, too. Yeah, you got to go to the Italian store. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's on the list. It should be. Do you even remember any of the other places you've been to? Uh, no, I'm not really good with names, as you've figured out in doing this show. Yes. So, I have know. figured that out in doing this show. Numbers, not names. Numbers you know? and not names. You got any more numbers you want to give me, or are you ready to wrap this thing up? Well, I will say, uh, since we barely touched on the uh, Astros series, that you know the Astros down 2-0, um, I think they really, really blew an opportunity uh, with the start that they got from McCullers Jr. Yep. Um, he was actually just the fifth pitcher ever to have double-digit strikeouts and no walks allowed in an LCS game. 
um, alongside Strasburg last year. Kuroda did it in 2012, Cliff Lee in 2009, and then Tom Seaver to go full circle back in 1973. And uh, the Astros just couldn't score for him. Uh, the Rays pitching has just been too good, and um, I, they're in must-win territory at this point. Hmm. Must-win territory. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to – we have one team ever to come back from, what, down 3-0. 3 nothing. So. They better get it together. No, I, I – um, oh, did you see this other thing today? And I love Zach Grinke. I don't, I don't even know if I've talked about him before. He came into the majors when I was a talk show host in Kansas City. And at that time, like when I was going – when I was in college, George Brett had gotten them to the playoffs like in 86. God, it couldn't have been 87, 85 maybe. And after that, they just, they sucked. And nobody used to go to their games. But everybody was excited because they drafted this kid, Zach Grinke. I even got like an autographed car to him. It was kind of crazy. But everyone was excited about Zach Grinke coming to town. And I remember doing an interview with him. He, he just talked like this. And he didn't really want to discuss anything like that. And I said, God, you know, that was really weird. And then we learned today the guy suffers from social anxiety, which can be absolutely crippling, just debilitating. And he came out and said he'd rather – he likes that there's no fans at the games. He actually enjoys <laughs> that there are no fans at the games. I love him. He is a national treasure. And I don't I, – I, I completely understand where he's coming from, though. I completely understand. He can't stand being around people, man. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. Yeah, I, I remember he had um, some pretty bad problems with it after he won his Cy Young Award with the Royals and then ended up, I, I guess he figured it out because he's got a Hall of Fame career as, yes. as far as I'm concerned. But um, just completely flipping subjects on you here. Have you ever heard the Zach Greinke guacamole story? Let's hear it. Um, so apparently he likes, what is it, a Chipotle, right? Uh, and... Um, he was talking about Chipotle in an interview, and he said, uh, I like the guacamole. Now, I don't really love the guacamole, so uh, I get it when I feel like it. They changed the guacamole price from $1.50 to $1.80. And he's like, I, I mean, $1.50 is already pretty darn high for guacamole. So they changed it to $1.80, and I'll never get guacamole again. <laughs> <laughs> Making thirty million dollars a year. Charge on guacamole. Hey, you gotta like, I, I, man, I really respect that. Sticking to his guns. Hey, he's a man know? of principle. He is a man of principle. He's probably really good with money then. Uh, future Hall of Famer for sure, though. Future Hall of Famer, one of the best we've ever seen. But it was kind of funny when he decided to hold up the two fingers, throw a curveball to Loriano, and he hit it out. Yeah, that was... Like, a, settle down, Grinky. That was not a good look. Yeah, why did you do that? <laughs> but he's been doing it all season. Because he's done been it working. And he's done it in the past. Yeah. Can you imagine if he gets by, he gets that by in the playoffs, like where people, more people are actually watching these games? Oh, my God. Zach Grinky did it. It was stupid, though. It wasn't worth it. And they, didn't, they ended up, didn't they end up getting their asses kicked that game? Nah, I don't know. Well, they lost. Yeah, they lost. Loriana was a bad boy. But you were right about the A's. That's a team that's just built for the regular season over and over and over again, right? Yep. Um, and that's kind of the fear with the Dodgers here. But uh, I don't 
I don't know. That series is probably the better of the two, especially right now. Um, but it is, uh, it's about that time to go ahead and tune in. Tune in. Let's do it. Uh, that's all the thoughts I have on baseball, my friend. You got any baseball thoughts? Are you done? No, I'm, I'm ready to watch some playoff baseball. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go watch the rest of this Dodgers-Braves. I got money on the Astros tonight. Um, I think this is the one game they bounce back and win, and I think the Rays are just going to kick their ass. Probably win it in six. Um, for Ryan Spader, at the Ace of Spader on Twitter, I'm Holden Kushner, at Holden Radio on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening to The Walk-Up. Yeah.